You're listening to the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue 47. I am your host, Dan Ryan, and with me this week is Dean DeFalco. I'm here. You are, and not Evan Goldstein. Evan is still uh, recovering from Garden State Comic Fest, and there's rumors of some other things that are plaguing him nefariously. And we wish him nothing but the speediest of speedy recoveries. I hear it's nematodes. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. Like, <laughs> if there was one thing it it couldn't be, it was nematodes. And God damn it, it ended up being nematodes. Yeah, of course. Up. You know, uh, that doctor, <sighs> he, he came up to me in the hospital and he was like, Dean, I have bad news. Evan's infested with nematodes. And I did the, like, uh... Kirk and uh, Khan thing. Like, I <laughs> shook my fist at the sky and screamed nematodes. It was pretty dramatic. It was good. I wish I got it on tape. Everybody in the hospital is just looking at you like, what the fuck's a nematode, man? Oh, is that even a thing? Yeah. That you can get infested with? Like, it was on Doug. It I has know. to be a thing. I don't know. Fucking plebeians. I'll tell you. Anyway, so not only does Evan have nematodes, but... This was a pretty light week for comics. That's fucking terrible. <laughs> this was like, like I kept, I kept looking at the shipping list, going, uh, surely I must have missed something. There seems like there should have, I don't know, like there just didn't seem to be, well, quite much of anything. Well, uh, quite honestly, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot of new stuff to be for sure. I didn't see any first issues coming out. There were a lot of trades coming out that we don't really read on the show because that's just covering old territory. So we don't really get into trades unless it's like a really, really old thing that's being re-released or something we just want to read to get into. Yeah, I, I read the Power Man and Iron Fist uh, trade that came out, but those are books from like the late 70s, early 80s. Exactly. You know, stuff that <laughs> you, know. you might not have read since we've been on the air. Yeah, so, the, very plausible. Things that came out way before a lot of you were born. That's Power true. Power Man had That's a tiara, true. Iron Fist had booties. I had a tiara and booties yesterday. <laughs> I saw the pictures. They were very sexy. I know they were. Oh, and, <laughs> and for everyone chomping at the bit wondering where kimono vest lord is he's now on twitter mm. at kimono underscore vest lord at kimono underscore vest lord well consider yourself followed my friend well thank you absolutely so yeah light week for comics not a lot of stuff that came out this week uh there were a few things though we'll talk about them dean why don't you uh why don't you hit us off with uh, what you got? Again, Dan's right. There wasn't a lot. I would recommend picking up Groot because there's a Silver Surfer crossover. So that's really cool. And it seems awesome. I didn't get to read the book. I just kind of thumbed through it really quick because the book that I was actually reading was Batman Beyond. Mainly because this is the only thing that takes place with Brother Eye still in it. So I'm interested to see where it goes. Because that was really the only cool part of Convergence was Brother Eye coming back after this sort of, um, what, what the hell was the crossover Infinite Crisis on Infinite Worlds where he was in it or whatever? Sure. <laughs> it, was, it was one of those things. There was a Brother crisis was and, a, and a word with an eye. 
Yeah, there. The, Brother Eye was in another crossover besides Convergence, where he was more or less fighting for us rather than against and us. That, and that was that the thing. wasn't Future's End. No, yeah, that wasn't Future's okay. End. And uh, this is sort of a different take on it. And this is if Brother Eye's future is fully realized. And Terry McGinnis didn't make it back to the future, which he doesn't. He dies. Spoilers. I think we talked about that, though. I'm pretty we sure. We did. It kind of pissed us off, I remember. It I did. Think. Because, you know, it, Terry McGinnis is the main character to Batman Beyond. He's always been that way. And why Why would you kill him off? I, I don't know. But DC does things, and they made Tim Drake the new Batman Beyond. And it's interesting because... In the future's end, he hasn't been Batman for a very long... Batman, Robin, anything. He hasn't been anything for probably 10, 15 years. And he's sort of just totally out of it. But um, Terry gives him the suit because he trusts him. And he knows that he could do it. So he sends him to take down Brother Eye. Brother Eye's like, fuck you. You think you could get me, but you can't because I'm the best. So he sends Tim into the future. So Tim is now on Batman Beyond Futureland, and it gets really bananas. The second issue doesn't really make much sense because I read the first one, and it doesn't leave off where it's supposed to. So all of a sudden, they're in a prison camp, and I am very confused, but the book explains everything well enough that I jump back into it pretty quick. And they're they're basically in for processing. And Brother Eye doesn't know Batman's there. He just knows some vagrant's been picked up that he doesn't have any information on. So he puts them in for processing. And the one girl, Max, is captured and taken. And she gets sent away for processing. Some fucked up drug-induced interrogation that doesn't leave you the same. And uh, Tim is... Like, we got to get the fuck out of here, man. You know, just flipping the fuck out. And all of a sudden, there's Barbara Gordon. It's Barbara Gordon. And she's not as old as she is in the cartoon because she's, like, ancient in the cartoon. She's not that old. She's, like, in her 40s or 50s, maybe. Maybe. And fast forward, uh, they're trying to escape and everything. All of a sudden, Ink shows up, if if you guys have ever watched oh, the cartoon. Ink was so badass. Right? Yeah, character. she was fucking cool. Still really badass. Pretty neat. She's working for Brother Eye now. And Drake's like, why the fuck are you working for this monster? Like, there is no good side to this. So she's like, you'll never understand, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm I'm a badass. <laughs> I have issues. You know, all that cool stuff. I'm dark and Fast tragic. That... You wouldn't understand me. Exactly, exactly. And it turns out that Tim Drake does get captured by Ink with Barbara. And Brother Eye's trying to interrogate Tim Drake to get the information out of him. And he gets bits and pieces, like the past and everything. But then Tim Drake rises above the drug, and he tells Alfred to shock the shit out of him, to break the chair. So, yeah, that's what he does. The chair blows up. Uh, another fight ensues. And then, while Brother Eye's, like, super into controlling all these cyborgs and everything to try and take down Tim with with Ink, you find out that Ink's daughter is on the moon fortress with Brother Eye. Because, you know, what evil villain doesn't have a moon fortress? God damn it, I want a moon fortress. 
Of course, don't we all? So you find this out, and Tim's like, listen, I promise I will get your daughter back. I can go to the moon if you help me blow up this ridiculous facility. Because uh, Tim finds out that this is not only a prison, this is also a place where they create all the brother eye cyborgs. So mm-hmm. Ink's mm-hmm. like, all right, fucking deal. So they start blowing the shit out of it, and Brother Eye's like, no, I'm not going to be defeated. I'm the best. Number one, vote for Brother Eye today. <laughs> and Tim's like, nah, bro, that's not going to happen. So they end up blowing up the facility. They get out of there. Uh, they uh, Tim ends up saving Max and Barbara. Uh, Terry's brother's all like, yay, maybe you can be Batman. You don't suck. And Tim's like, yeah, boy. And that's the end of the book. Uh, I didn't read the third one yet because I didn't have time. But I kind of hope it has something to do with the Justice League because that would be fun. So we'll see where it goes. It was interesting. I like it because it's not taking place with all the other DC stuff going on. Though the... New DC stuff going on isn't all that terrible. I thought I could use a change from Detective. I didn't really want to talk about Detective again because we've been talking about that a lot. And I just don't want to repeat that Gordon can be good and that I believe in new Batman. So (laughs) I tried different Batman. I tried Batman Light, and it was fun. It was good. I recommend it. It's definitely a different take on what's going on in this universe. I mean, it's an entirely different universe. So there's new sets of characters and stuff. And you see the same characters, but in a different light. A lot of them are gone. A lot of them are cyborgs. A lot of them are utterly defeated and crushed. So you see a lot of these characters if things went terribly wrong in the DCU. So, yeah, man. I mean, if if you're looking for a bit darker of a book, pick this up. I'm excited to see where it goes. And Tim Drake isn't the worst Batman Beyond. I, I, I even say maybe that I like it a little bit. Yeah, I'm. I, I've read some reviews on it. I haven't been reading the book, but I have. I have read some reviews, and there's. It's definitely, um, it's definitely like splitting people kind of right down the middle of this is really good or this is a fucking mess, and why even bother? I don't think it's a mess. It's, it's a little segmented. Well, you know, from the first to second book, I could say yeah, it was. It was a bit of a mess. I don't know what they were going for. Maybe this they just tried to go to in a different direction all of a sudden. They thought maybe, you know, if they just kind of started in a different spot, people wouldn't really notice. But I noticed <laughs> because I read the first one. So there's that. <laughs> but, you know, I, I can't really be mad. Uh, the The two issues after that were really good. So pick it up. It's only three issues in, uh, and it looks like it could go for a while. It definitely looks like it has some feet under it where I hope DC will keep this on because, again, it's something different, and different's good. Well, all right then. Batman Beyond, It's I believe the third issue is the last one, right? Like, issue three was the, the yeah, that's, latest that's one. Yeah, that's the latest one. Okay, yeah. so I mean, with this, with this reboot from Convergence, this kind of post-Convergence universe that we're existing in, this is uh it, you're not too far behind as far as new books are concerned. So if you're looking for something that's not bat robot but still you know Batman Batman Beyond it, it's a cool universe. Like the show was so good. The 
I I miss I, it. I miss it very much. The characters that were in it were so cool. Like Ink is one of the coolest Batman villains, you know, kind of comics, TV shows, movies, whatever, whatever iteration of Batman you want to you want to highlight. Ink is really cool. So I'm kind of partial to oh. to picking up things that she appears in. Yeah, and uh side note because uh I really didn't read that much. Little discussion topic. You hear these posts going around about uh, Craven being the new Sp- Spider-Man villain? Mm-hmm. Huh. I could dig that. I like Cra- I like the idea. Craven is really cool when when done well. Uh, Craven's Last Hunt is a is a graphic novel you can go pick up, and it's one of the best Spider-Man stories you could ever hope to read. And the idea of of bringing in a hunter into New York City to hunt Spider-Man is a really cool idea. I don't know, because, like, it's a pretty dark idea, too. I mean, as far as, like, hunting a human is concerned. Um, And I don't know how dark they can go with it, considering the kid that they cast to play Spider-Man is, like, I don't know, 16 or something like that. This is going to be just regular Spider-Man, not Ultimate Spider-Man. Right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um but he's young. I don't know. Or I think that I think that's the thing they're at least going to play him still as a kid in high school. So Yeah. Yeah, I I it's it's a weird thing, you know, Peter did start out in high school even when they did the Amazing Spider-Man reboot. Yeah. But Andrew Garfield looked a little older. This this kid does look like he's sixteen years yeah, old. Yeah, he, he so looks it, very young. So I don't know. It, it's I I'm very nervous about a new Spider Man movie. I am too. I really <laughs> very think they concerned. should let let this rest because we saw what happens when you try to reboot things too many times. Like recently, what could I be talking about? Uh, maybe Fant Stick? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah. I've seen enough reviews and Did you see the memes about Batman and Robin having a better rotten tomato yes. than Yes, I did. Yeah, that's that's pretty fucking sad. Well, when you come down to it, man, like if I I understand why some people like Batman and Robin. I I actually do understand that there's a certain level of uh campy charm that you well, could find I, I was... in it. I was gonna say Batman Forever and Batman Beyond from uh, not Beyond uh, uh Batman and Robin from a campy point Forever and Robin yeah. are are funny as fuck from a campy point from a like an actual Batman point like on a departure from the Michael Keaton era stuff not good movies no they're not and I personally uh, cannot stand them either either Batman Forever or Batman and Robin. Um, they, were, they were just far too campy uh, for, my, for my likings. And I love the Adam West Batman show, but that was a different thing. And we had, we had the Tim Burton, Michael Keaton Batman films, and then all of a sudden Joel Schumacher shows up with like neon lights and bat nipples and, and Alicia Silverstone, and I just didn't like care for it. But I, but I can understand people who do. When you look at the reviews for Fantastic Four for this new reboot, 
And it has a worse score on Rotten Tomatoes than Dragon Ball Evolution. You fucked up. Yeah, if M. Night Shyamalan's <laughs> beating you in the rankings, you really did something wrong. You know, like, you've... You've just... You've shit the bed in a manner well, I, that is I mean, unbelievable. You know, I was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt when they were kind of redesigning the characters and stuff, but when I saw a picture of Doom... What is he? Is he a cyborg? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I don't know, and... I am not a big Fantastic Four guy. No, neither Never am have I, been. but... You yeah. know, I really liked the Ultimate Fantastic Four book when, when Ellis was writing it. Um, I liked the the Jonathan Hickman and Matt Fraction. I think they did good runs on Fantastic Four. Uh, the, the Future Foundation stuff was cool that Hickman was doing. But for the most part, I'm just... I'm not a big fan of Fantastic Four. So, you know, anytime that these movies pop up i'm like all right i mean you can do something a little bit different i guess and like i won't care all that much as long as it's still you know a good movie or a good story but but holy shit man like dr doom is is fucking iconic and like watch watching the dr doom trailer like and and again i I reserve final judgment until i've actually seen the movie but but I don't feel like I have to. <laughs> I feel like I've seen everything I need to see. Yeah, yeah. In and I, I crack mean, the... face, green mist surrounding. Like, what the fuck, man? That's not Doom. Doom's not green mist. Doom is lightning. He's a, like Doom is a weird character because he's got he is the super smart thing going on, and like he builds machines, and his armor gives him powers, and. But he's also a sorcerer and like, I mean, he's a weird character to a point, but he's also a really badass character and one of the most iconic villains. And it's like looking at Dr. Doom and the clips or the, uh, the, the photos that they've shown of what Apocalypse is going to look like in this X-Men movie coming out. It's like, are you like, just give back to Marvel, man. Are they both Fox yep. joints? All right, yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about this because I knew Spider-Man was different, but I didn't know Spider-Man was Fox and the other two were Sony, but all right, yeah. Fox has a very, very bad track record with these superhero movies. I, I mean, if you want to say the first X-Men movie was good, okay. You'd be wrong. I'll, I'll agree with you. But... <laughs> Some people like those movies, so I, you know, especially because it was the first, yeah. so... You know, there's a bit of a nostalgia thing going on there. But after that, these movies started getting better. But the X-Men movies never did. And then they rebooted with First Class, and First Class was pretty all right. First Class and is actually the only X-Men movie I like. I I enjoyed it. I, I like that movie a lot. The other four, I think, and are pretty terrible. Yeah. And now they're doing the Age of, of Apocalypse thing. Apocalypse didn't need to be redesigned. Nope. His silly '90s crazy ass outfit worked for mm-hmm. him, 
It still does. It's still relevant. You didn't need to redo it. Even if they wanted to slim it down, I wouldn't have been mad, but he looks completely different. He doesn't look a thing like he did in the comic books. And I get it. Creative rights, you know, yeah, whatever. Sure, that's but... that's cool. But he doesn't look good. <laughs> I don't think anyone thinks he looks good. <laughs> really doesn't. He looks like a Power Rangers villain. and uh, He it, does. <laughs> it's just what I don't understand. And this is like kind of a, a bone of contention for me is I don't understand this idea of putting your own spin on established characters. And that's not to say that you can't add a spoke to the wheel. You know, like you look at what um, Scott Snyder did with Batman. The Court of Owls is one of my favorite Batman storylines that there's ever been. Like in the history of Batman comics, the Court of Owls is fucking amazing because he added a spoke to the wheel without fundamentally changing the wheel, right? He, he added oh, yeah. to the mythos and that's, that's fine. But when you see like everything about this, this fantastic four movie that's coming out, just create new characters. If that's what you're going to do, do something else. Like there's no reason to make that a fantastic four movie. Like there's no reason to call that guy, Dr. Doom, make somebody new. Save Doom for the sequel. Like, make a brand new villain, because Fantastic Four's villains are not good. Like, Mole Man is going to be a shitty fucking character on screen. You know, nobody wants to yeah. see Mole Man. Everybody wants to see Galactus. That would be really cool, but if you're going to keep fucking up the first movie, you're not going to get the Galactus. And Galactus, as much as people may want to see him, is really hard to do on a movie screen. He's kind well, of ridiculous. Well, yeah, Galactus hasn't changed in comics because comics make it okay for him to look ridiculous. Yeah. But you can't put a 300-foot-tall purple man <laughs> on the movie screen and expect people to still be into it. They're, they're going to be like, well, no, sorry. I don't think he needs to be the weird worm cloud that he was in the Fantastic Four original movie. The Rise of the Silver Surfer thing? Yeah. Well, and that, you know, there's... what Warren Ellis did with him in the Ultimate book, I thought was really cool. They turned Galactus into a swarm of little robots. And they were like a hive mind collective of, like, destruction. They were basically locusts. And they would go from place to place, and they were collectively called Galactus, and that was just kind of cool and interesting. Because you're right, a 300-foot-tall purple guy that eats planets... That's not going to work. Unbelievable. No. I mean, I like it in the new Silver Surfer book. They did it again. Galactus came back. But Mike Allred has a uh, very specific art style that makes that work. Yeah. It, and it, I got to say, it's close to 60s and 70s. Oh, absolutely. Like, far out looking. So that works for him. It's hard to draw Galactus and be serious at the same time. He doesn't fit into a lot of stuff anymore. No, he really doesn't. He could probably do with the redesign, but that's neither here nor there, and don't flame me. I I don't care if he gets a redesign. <laughs> I just think maybe it could happen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sure we'll see one of the three of us uh, will end up seeing uh, Fantastic Four relatively soon. I, fuck, I still haven't seen Ant-Man as of recording this right now, and I know that I have to. Like, I just haven't had... Neither have I. I haven't had a chance that, to That get one to I it, heard is good. You know? <laughs> but I really... I am very, very hopeful that 
Fox gives up because it's not it's not that Fox makes bad movies. Fox Searchlight Pictures puts out some really good, really interesting quality films. And I'm it's not like people are setting out to make a bad movie, but go watch anybody listening to this that has not seen the documentary The Death of Superman Lives that just came out a couple weeks ago, find a copy of that and watch it. It is the story of how Superman was going to be rebooted, the Nick Cage Superman movie. It is the story of how the studio continued to get involved and people who have no business making comic books or making comic book movies get involved with comic book movies and the nonsense that happens. And Kevin Smith tells some really good stories in it. It's They interview Tim Burton. It will tell you everything you need to know about how people set out with the best of intentions and end up turning out, you know, fucking <laughs> this Fantastic Four movie. I don't know. Kevin Smith should be one to talk. He made the fucking, wasn't, what, what did he make? I, didn't he make something that was, like, not great? I could be wrong. I, cop out, <laughs> but. No, all right. I, 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 you know what? I'm thinking of Green Hornet, but that was uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, I don't think. Kevin, that yeah. steaming pile of crap. I didn't even i I knew enough to know that I didn't need to see it. And now for a quick break, we'll be right back. Say, Dan. Yes, Dean. You know what's really, really healthy for you? Carrots. Carrots are definitely healthy for you, but also three helpings of YouTube a day. Do you know what our YouTube is, Dan? I don't, Dean. Could you tell me? Well, our YouTube is where we put all our fantastic content from all our contributors, and we have videos from Ring the Bell, the Comic Books Fan United po- podcast, and other things. Dan, wouldn't you love to go there? I w- I'm there right now. You're there right now? Yes. <laughs> well, why don't you tell people where they can find it? Well, on YouTube, you can find us at www.youtube.com forward slash geekaid. Well, that's great. And you could also find us linked right on our handy-dandy website at geekade.com. You can find all the videos that you'll ever be looking for. And on top of that, if you ever want to see us live, you can check us out on Twitch, where we'll be doing tons and tons of stuff in the future, and a lot, a lot of live stuff where you can play with us and jump in on plenty of games. Dan, doesn't that sound like a great thing? It does sound like a great thing. I know it does, because I came up with it. Again, remember to follow us on YouTube and Twitch to check out all the live and recorded videos we'll be doing in the near future. All right, so, yeah. You know, I, Fantastic Four movie. Maybe it ends up back at Marvel soon. We'll see. It, they're kind of getting to a point where, where I don't know that they can fit many more people in. They don't need like, to. <laughs> like, looking at what they have coming up, like their upcoming releases, I, I just, I don't necessarily see where they fit into the Marvel Universe now. What, yeah. What might actually be kind of cool is if if Marvel were to get the Fantastic Four back uh-huh. to hold off on making a new movie until uh, the uh, uh, Infinity War Part Two comes out. Like, and they kind of close off that first section with the fantastic four stuff. Yeah. Then introduce the fantastic four of, you know, we've already established 
magic with Doctor Strange. We've established all the outer space stuff. We've, you know, we've established all this stuff. So you can change the origin story of the Fantastic Four a little bit of instead of Reed Richards taking a team out into space just because it's a thing he wants to do, you can have him going out into space be, to study the shit that has happened because the universe will know that it's not, or the, the earth will know that it's not alone in the universe at that point. That'd so be pretty cool. You'd give them a reason to go out into space and they get bombarded by leftover, I don't know, whatever infinity stuff, things, infinity stuff. And bang, there you go. There's the fantastic four. That kind of makes sense in your universe. You've already established magic. So Dr. Doom sort of makes sense. At that point, like yeah. that would work for me. I don't know. No, I, I see where you're coming from, man. I mean, I don't, I don't have any any issues with that. I I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that that seems to work and tie everything together nicely. But what do we, we know? Yeah, <laughs> I, who knows? Nobody's asking us for our opinions, so maybe they should, though. Maybe they should. You know what? They'd probably be better off if they did ask us. Probably. So. I've got two books that I read this week. I, you know, I, I really do like to try and focus on new stuff and, and bring that, you know, to, to people who may, may be kind of stuck in the, the Marvel DC rut of here's some stuff, you know, from other publishers you might not have heard. And sometimes we get gems like Kaiju Max. And sometimes we get not so gems like the first book I'm going to talk about this week. Uh, this damned band number one it's a new book by dark horse it's a six issue miniseries um it's written by paul cornell who i like quite a bit he's uh i think he's a very very good writer he's kind of hit or miss though as far as to the quality of his stories every now and again uh his stories get a little bit more british than uh, american audiences may be used to or ready for um, this one kind of falls down that trap. It's, uh, the arts by Tony Parker. The premise of this book, um, is basically a, a mock you rockumentary. Mock you rockumentary. I like a it. Mock you rockumentary. Kind of like this is spinal tap, right? If you've seen this is spinal tap, it's, it's obviously mocking this idea of a rockumentary. It's about a, the world's most popular band in the 1970s, this fictional band named Mother Father. Mother Father. Mother Father. Not Motherfucker. <laughs> Not Motherfucker. Had to throw it out there. Um, they're on tour in Japan in like 1978 or something like that. They are, when the cameras are rolling, they're trying to portray themselves as being like devil worshippers or occult followers, but they slip in and out of character and they have to like tell the cameraman to cut so that they can get back in it. Like the lead singer <laughs> is talking about how like, you know, our band is just very dark and our dark Lord doesn't look anything like he does on the posters. And he's like, Bob, are we done? Ah, oh, shit. I'd love a cup of tea, you know, cream and two sugars, please. Just kind of dropping in and out between, between like the idea of what you're supposed to be doing on camera versus off camera. Um, it's I don't, the the best scene I thought in this book was with their uh, their manager, uh, who's 
just yelling at all these Japanese men about how Mother Father is making them so much goddamn money that demanding a pony on the band's rider is not a fucking weird request. I love ponies. I want a pony. <laughs> Who doesn't? Okay. Ponies. Ponies. Uh, like one of the guys in the band has kids on t- his kids on tour with him, so he wants a fucking pony at every venue that they play. Uh, like, I don't know. They they trip on shrooms uh, towards the end of the book, and after the gig that they play, they meet maybe the devil, maybe not the devil. It's. It I was thought a you weird said this book. was a bad book. It sounds interesting. <laughs> I know, right? Like I was really excited about it. It's just I don't know. Like it. it I'm gonna need more than this issue. I don't. I'm to, fucking to sold. Really, like it. It hits the right tone. Like the the dialogue was was spot on, spectacular rock star bullshit. Like, watch um uh, the Metallica documentary. I can't remember the name of it right now, but there's there's a documentary about Metallica about them recording, and it oh god, just the rock star bullshit that comes out of their mouths of you know being important and just the self absorbed kind of nonsense that goes along with with rock stars is uh. Like Cornell absolutely nailed that. The characters all feel individual. Individual, like they they are definitely different people. Each kind of a parody of, you know, like seventies rock star. Like the lead singer is obviously Robert Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin. Um. So that was good. the The artwork was, like, you ever go to a relative's house? And, like, find a stack of comic books from, like, the 60s or 70s. And you're like, fucking comics really look different. Yeah. Like, this is, this is what that artwork was like. It was like a comic book you would find at your uncle's house. And you're like, why the hell do you have this? Can I have, you know, okay. Sure, th- I guess this is what comics used to look like. Oh, great. So we got a lot of that kind of art going on. Yeah. Um which I, it totally fits the, the time frame of the book and whatnot, but, you know, I, I take that as it were. The, the actual storytelling with the artwork is kind of all over the place, though. Like, that's where it really kind of falls apart. Like, when they're tripping out on mushrooms, you kind of expect things to be all over the place. But all of the stuff previous to that, because that's like the last third of the book, the first two-thirds of the book, the storytelling from panel to panel, it just, it's not very good. Like, it jumps from place to place, almost like a jump cut in a movie where you're like, there's no way for you to get from point A to point B like that. That We missed, you know, a whole bunch of points in between. You, It's it's just kind of jarring, some of the artwork. The, the best part about it, quite honestly, was the coloring. The coloring was really, really good. And like when the guys are tripping out on mushrooms, they're all having a, a different experience. Like one guy's seeing fairies, and the other guy is seeing the audiences like these mindless drones and whatnot. And all of that was done really, really well with the colors. That sounds other very th- bananas, Dan. This book, I, I don't, I don't know what to think. 
it, it was really weird. Like, I wanted to like it much more than I did. Like I said, it's a six-issue series. After reading the first issue, it seems like it could be like a four-issue series. It doesn't feel like it needs to be six. Maybe there's more story there. Maybe this will be really good when the whole thing is done. Um, I can't recommend it to be picked up just yet, though. Instead, just go watch This is Spinal Tap. I think you'll get the same experience and probably enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, even if you're not into weird rock books, watch This is Spinal Tap. What's wrong yeah, with you? Yeah, it's just a funny-ass fucking movie. Yeah. You know? It's just... It's just funny. But, yeah, this damn band, uh, I'm going to need, like, I'll check back in with it next month, and I I wanted to like it. I really did. And with this weird devil character showing up at the end, there's some interest there to see where it goes. But, I don't know, not not enough to recommend it. Unlike the second book that I read, which was Dark Corridor number one, a new book out by Image, uh, completely written, art, everything done by Rich Tommaso. Uh, Rich Tommaso is a guy who's been in and out of the comic book industry for like the last 20 years or so. He's, uh, he's a Jersey boy, which, you know, automatically takes him a level or two up, I think, in our book. Cause, Good, cause call. Know all people... Good call. Good <laughs> call. All of us from New Jersey kind of support everyone else from New Jersey. Agreed, wholeheartedly. I was born in Englewood. He was born in Englewood 10 years before me. So I feel, you know, I feel like I know There's a Mr. connection Tomasa. there, man. There's a connection. Absolutely. But he's been, he's been in and out of the industry over the last 20 years. And he's been putting out books that are very, very heavily crime, noir style books. But not in the most accessible ways as like Sin City is because Sin City is very stylized. Um, I mean, but even Sin City is kind of divisive and whatnot. Like Sin City is not for everybody. And Rich Tommaso stuff is not for everybody. Like the, this book, I loved it. I think it, it, I think it was great. I think everybody should pick this book up. But part of the reason that I loved it so much is because this really honestly felt like I was reading what Dick Tracy would be today. Like, not necessarily with the weird wristwatch communicator and, you know, the weird villains and whatnot, but that style of artwork. If you've ever seen the old Chester Gould Dick Tracy comic strips from, you know, 200 years ago at this point. 200? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's impressive. But these, these really old Chester Gould newspaper comic strips, that's what the art looks like. Now, for me, that hits a very kind of nostalgic sweet spot. I really loved that artwork when I was a kid. Dick Tracy is one of my favorite things ever. So seeing a new book that has that that style of art, I was 100% in. And a lot of Tommaso's stuff has looked like that throughout his career. This book in particular, This Dark Corridor, it takes place in, in a city called Red Circle, obviously a fictional city. It is a city that is controlled by the mafia, by mobsters. And the mobsters start getting killed. They start getting picked off one by one by female assassins. It's, it's huh. got two... Yeah, it's got two different stories going on in the book. The first one's called The Red Circle. The second one is called The Seven Deadly Daughters. They tie together 
and tell kind of smaller bits of this larger overall story. And if I had the one complaint I had about this book is that for somebody who is not necessarily into crime noir type storytelling or who, who does not, this artwork is going to give some people trouble because it is a very stylized, a very particular thing. So some people are just not going to like it. Is there Al Pacino in a fat suit? No, there's no Al Pacino in a fat suit, Damn unfortunately. It. But very much like a lot of Frank Miller stuff, where you're either going to love it or hate, hate it, as far as the artwork is concerned, the story in a lot of the Sin City books is what carries people through who might not necessarily love the artwork. The only complaint that I have with Dark Corridor is that the story is there, but it felt like it was missing maybe a page or two to really get people hooked into the next issue. I think if you read this book, you're going to want to know what's coming up, but you might not necessarily need to know what's coming up, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, it's understandable, man. I mean, it's one of those things, it it ended just a little too early, and you put it down, and you're like, eh, all right, you know? Yeah, like, now, like I said, again, for me, I'm I'm totally in. It looks like an old Dick Tracy book. It reads like Quentin Tarantino without being like a hacky imitation of Quentin Tarantino. You know, like I've read hacky imitations of Quentin Tarantino and they just say fuck a lot. And that's not really the thing that, you know, the dialogue is really good. It's really snappy. It's really stylized. I love the artwork. The coloring in this book I thought was really, really cool. It's it's very reminiscent to me of Batman the Animated Series. Like, the the backgrounds were kind of like, if everything in the background is blue, they're just different shades of blue. You know, like a light blue, a dark blue, yeah. whatever, to kind of differentiate. Yeah. Whereas the stuff in the foreground has bright colors and is way more detailed. Like, I, I found that to be really awesome. The storytelling from panel to panel... Um, I don't know. I tried to find out some more information on, on Rich Tommaso. I couldn't find too much on the internet about him. The storytelling from panel to panel is incredibly solid. Very much like an old newspaper strip had to be because they had four panels to tell you a story. So this is kind of that attention to detail and that amount of motion and stuff happening in the gutters in between the panels. It was just just master masterfully done like it is it is as good as that storytelling style can be and if you're into this type of book if you're into you know what ed brubaker and sean phillips do at image or a lot of the early bendis stuff or just kind of crime books in general pick up dark order man this was really really good and he says he's got a letters like a kind of an introductory letter in the back of the book saying you know I hope that this series goes on for a long time. I want to change the main kind of crux of the story or the main characters uh, every year or so. So he's got plans for this to go for a long time, and I hope it does, man. I I really, really loved it. And I, I think if people give it a chance, that they will really dig it as well, man. It was just a really solid fucking book. That's cool, man. That's really cool. I mean, you don't see a lot of stuff taking that approach anymore so it's nice to see something a little new coming about and yeah hopefully it sticks around he has plans 
Some would say he has big man plans. Ooh. Yeah. I just I just plugged another book there. Well done. Well Thank done, you. sir. Thank you. Yeah, I mean I I really hope people can get past the artwork. I saw a couple reviews online where or online. I saw a couple on reviews online where uh you know where people were blasting this book because of the artwork. Like, this looks shitty and was like not, not everything has to look the same. You know, like there's there's a simplicity in the storytelling that is somewhat refreshing to see you know i just i love this book man i i think it was great no yeah man i i i think it definitely could be something worth uh reading i would say most people should probably take a look at it the art can't be that bad you know so i i'd say yeah give it a look you know i'm not a person who reads comic books specifically for the art. I know Evan's more that way, so you right. know he might not be interested, but I like a good story, so you know I'd definitely be interested to see what's up with this book. Well, I think that is going to uh, wrap it up for this week. Like we said, kind of a, a light week, not a lot of stuff that came out, but you know, Batman Beyond, give it a shot. Kind of see what you think of it. You know, I like I said, I've heard mixed reviews, but I tend to trust your opinion, Dean, so I will definitely be uh, catching up on that book. This damn band, you know, give it another issue or two. We'll check back in, see if it's worth your time. And and Dark Corridor, absolutely pick that book up. It was really, really good. So why don't you let everybody know, Dean, where they can find us on social media, contact us, that sort of thing. Well, if you're interested in that sort of stuff, you can find us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, and I believe that's it. You could probably find us on some other places. I'll have it all listed in the show notes for you, along with any of the books that we talked about, and a nice little contact us link that'll bring you right to our contact us page on our website. And if you want to go to our website, be sure to check out geekade.com, www.geekade.com. Lots of good stuff going up on the website every day. Lots of articles, videos. We got stuff on Twitch. We got stuff on YouTube. You can follow us all on Twitter. Dean, yours was at kimono underscore vest lord. Yeah, you you had the fans really wanting to get in touch with me. So it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, had to do it. So at kimono underscore vest lord to follow Dean to follow me at Geek Aid Dan to follow Geek Aid. At Geekade. Oh, no, actually, it's, uh, unfortunately, at, for Twitter. Sorry. The underscore Geekade. The underscore Geekade. And uh, you could follow Chris, but I don't know why you would want to, so Fuck we just Chris. won't mention it. That's what I'm saying. I Join you, us Chris. next week. <laughs> Hopefully, it will be a better week for comics. Hopefully, Evan will be back from his nematode infestation. Until that time, for Evan Goldstein, Dean DeFalco, and Dan Ryan, I'm Dan Ryan. Thank you.